This is a careers podcast made by students at the Graduate Institute. So a few weeks ago, back in good old 2020, Alexandre Mazat and myself had the amazing opportunity of participating in a conference. That's right, a proper conference with over 400 people from academia, business, government, and civil society from every continent in attendance. This virtual summit marked the launch of the Thinking Ahead of Societal Change Platform, or TASK Platform for short, hosted at our intellectual home, the Graduate Institute of Development and International Studies in Geneva. The point of this platform is to create an open forum where policymakers, businesses, civil society, and researchers can come together and tackle some of the biggest universal challenges for the future. As it happens, over the next two years, this forum will focus on the future of work. Not too shabby for a first conference, huh? It was a really great opportunity to talk about our perspectives on work, and also a way to hear what experts thought about the future of work. Or for me, a spectacular opportunity to relate the future of work to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Anyway, if there's anything the global pandemic has taught us, it is that in many ways, the future is now. As members of the Task Platform's Future Leaders team, we were encouraged by the inputs from over 50 speakers engaging in 18 sessions throughout the day. It was clear to us, we are led. And as millennials and Gen Zs, I must tell you this isn't really a feeling we often get. Today's leaders are really thinking how we should be leveraging the current crisis towards positive change by defining a more human future of work. One, for those working on the front line, two for those working online, and three for those working in radical uncertainty. But they actually have concrete initiatives to bring these thoughts into the real world. So today, Alexandre and myself are here to talk about our thoughts on the actual future of work. Well, no, more accurately, I'm here to listen to Alex discuss the very concept of work. Well, I desperately try not to bring pop culture references into the discussion. Okay, well, it's been a long pandemic and lockdown, so I'm sure Alex and the other leaders can bring a super optimistic view of the projects that will fill the future of work. But wait, Michelle, let me curb your enthusiasm just a little bit. The reality of today's leaders is not that of tomorrow's leaders. Neither is their future and certainly not their future of work. No amount of empathy or foresight will remedy this. This is simply a generational thing. As humans, we are the function of the world we grew up in. I'd argue that this generational gap is widening between succeeding generations of digital natives and generations which came before them. The exponential nature of technological development and its impacts on societies and economies may be one of the causes for this. As future leaders of the task platform, we had the privilege of asking the first questions during session. The reason for this? Precisely because of the unique insights we have as a virtue of being millennials who grew up between the information and digital age, or as Gen Zs who were raised without ever knowing the sound of dial-up internet. Our generations are experiencing immense levels of social and economic precarity. But this is not what I want to speak about today. I want to explore a novel idea about the way that we conceive work. One, which is likely not what Guy Ryder, the Director General of the International Labour Organization, had in mind when he said, If we're talking about societal change, the right thing to do is to establish first what we want the world of work and our societies to look like. 
I'm actually talking about work that we unknowingly do every day, work that you're likely doing at this very moment as you're listening to this podcast. Yes, you, the internet user, are in fact an internet worker. In the words of Marie Lorsal, the Graduate Institute's director, the proletariat, which is, means all of us, more or less, we all proletarians in the classical definition of Marx. We are a kind of digital proletariat, one which knowingly or unknowingly interacts with digital technologies today, every day, and even when we sleep. Similarly to the factory workers and coal miners of 19th century industrial Britain, we are usually housed and fed by the owners of our workplaces, paid a pittance in comparison to the value we create collectively, and we don't really have much collective bargaining power. Today, we are housed by big tech and a myriad of platforms and services fed with information, validation, and our innate human desire for connection. We are paid nothing to generate personal data. In fact, we surrender it to use supposedly free services. Every day, we generate diverse streams of personal data and will continue to do so as we age in an increasingly digitized society and economy. Mass 5G deployment is around the corner and will generate exponentially more personal data by enabling the Internet of Things. Unlike our 19th century proletarians, we're even working for the owners of the Internet when we're taking part in leisurely activities. Our work on the Internet is our attention, as highlighted by the Netflix documentary The Social Dilemmas from online stores, where an army of trackers and cookies claim your digital work is theirs. It gets creepier when you think about the recent scandal where Facebook paid for the transcription of private voice notes sent over its Messenger app in order to develop its artificial intelligence tools. It would have been nice to be paid for that, right? We're only beginning to see the value of data privacy by the damage its mismanagement can cause us with legislation like GDPR, which is incredibly difficult to enforce. Data ownership seems like a far reach right now. Yet, there is hope. It may sound like science fiction now, but so did powered flights, the television, and pretty much every technology we take for granted today. I believe that one day, we will be able to fund a portion, if not all, of one's income, which would ensure that their basic needs are met, and perhaps even exceeded. How, you might ask? Blockchain, I tell you. More specifically, decentralized ledger technologies. If you don't know what I'm talking about, hop over to a YouTube channel called Simply Explained, and you'll find a few short videos that explain it really well. Now, I imagine quite a few of you are thinking, not this Bitcoin thing again, and you're entitled to your skepticism. It's a normal feature of the theory of innovation diffusion. The adoption of a new idea, behavior, or product, aka innovation, does not happen simultaneously in a social system. Rather, it's a process whereby some people are more apt to adopt the innovation than others. These people can be categorized on a normal distribution as innovators, a small group of people exploring new ideas and technologies, early adopters, people who provide positive insights about new products and services, seeking improvements in efficiency, and provide guides on how to use the product and service. They're followed by the early majority. These are followers who will read reviews by early adopters and new products before purchasing them. Then you have the late majority, a group of skeptical people who are not aware of change and will only adopt 
a new product or service if there is a strong feeling of them being left behind or missing out. Lastly, you have the laggards, people who are most resistant to adopt new products. As someone with a keen interest in blockchain technologies, I can confidently tell you that we are slowly but surely creeping into the latter stages of early adopters. Blockchain is currently at a similar stage to that of the internet in the 1990s, where it still needs to solve challenges related to cost, scalability, and interoperability before it can go mainstream. These are all challenges that the blockchain project I work for, and many others, are making great progress on right now. If you think about the ubiquity of the internet today, I'm sure you'll agree that it would be foolish to ignore the implications of blockchain on the future of work. Many people have looked at the potential of blockchain on the future of work, from self-executing smart contracts or payments that are based on deliverables, or the tokenized remuneration of smaller tasks. In the case of justly remunerating us digital proletarians with our fair share of cyber bounty, adding a blockchain layer to the internet and most services we currently use would allow us to program smart contracts into every bit of personal data that each of us generates. You could combine this idea with that of digital self-sovereign identity, which gives users complete control over all the aspects of their digital identity to do with them as they wish. Further, this would allow you to set your preferences for which data you want to sell, to whom, and for which purposes into these smart contracts. Each time the various packages of personal data that you've produced are used in a transaction or an operation which yields economic benefits to someone or something other than you, the smart contract would execute and pay you a tiny fraction of this economic benefit. As your digital presence increases in relation to the ever-rising digitization we're experiencing, you'll generate more and more personal data, and thus more fractional remuneration of its use. Aggregating these fractional payments could eventually lead to a source of income resembling UBI. Perhaps the aggregate value of your data may even increase as it becomes progressively longitudinal, even funding part of your pension. The novelty in what I'm saying is that we can't purely see our identities, name, date of birth, etc. as the only value we generate for internet companies. We need to go beyond this. We need to recognize that these identities, combined with our cyber-physical use of the internet through a plethora of devices, generates a very valuable commodity. The economic value of our data certainly won't turn us into millionaires, but it will give us sovereignty over our digital personhood and could very well earn us a living wage by virtue of our mere existence. And if you, dear listener, want to hear more from Alex and all his novel ideas, do subscribe to this feed. Give us a like or five stars or whatever the platform you're currently on uses to feed us to the algorithm. Also, if you want to find other discussions on the future of work, or if you just want to know how Charlie and the Chocolate Factory relates to the future of work, according to me, head over to community.taskplatform.org. That's task, T-A-S-C. Once again, community.taskplatform.org.